The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, brought to you by Narcanon Suncoast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. This is episode number 99. We are closing in on our 100th episode, which is super exciting. And this week's podcast is going to be part two of the interviews that we did at the 7th Annual Southeastern U.S. Regional Drug Prevention Summit. Last week, we did our first interview, which I thought had some, you know, great input on marijuana and on other issues. And this week's podcast has has some different interviews and some different perspectives. In this episode of the podcast, we interviewed three individuals with different aspects of the whole addiction problem. We interviewed Tom Winterstein, who is a private consultant, um, Dr. Brent Agan, who has a holistic medical practice and also addresses addiction. And we interviewed Jermaine Galloway, also known as Tall Cop. The first interview was with uh, Tom Winterstein, and he's an independent consultant who has many, many years experience in the area of addiction and specifically in spotting addiction and, you know, the indicators and what to do if you spot it and, you know, how to be certain. And we've, we've touched upon that a little bit in the podcast with doing drug tests and such, but he has a bit more information. So this is Tom Winterstein. And once again, this is at the sixth annual Southeastern U.S. Regional Drug Prevention Summit that was held in Tampa two weeks ago. So Tom, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you. So tell me a little bit about what it is that you do. I'm an independent consultant that has uh, educational programs in alcohol and substance abuse. Okay. And how to identify users. Once you identify them, how do you approach them? And where do you take them for help? Oh, all right. Direct them to help. Okay. Uh, we, We initially targeted businesses. But after getting into it, I can see where anyone can use this information. Right, right. Parents would love to know, I think. What, what are some of the things that you tell people to look for? Well, there's a program in law enforcement known as the Drug Recognition Expert Program. Okay. And anyone that has received that training, we can do an evaluation on a subject. It takes anywhere from a half hour to 45 minutes, depending on the, the drug involved. Okay. And we can tell... By the end of the evaluation, I'm on, are they impaired? And if they're not, they're turned loose. If they are impaired, we can tell what category of drug they're under the influence of. It is not specific drug, but the category that it's in. Okay. okay. Is that that type of um, assessment that you do, is there any part of that that a parent could use, for example, with their child? Or? Yes. Okay. Yes, it is. Um, I used it on my son once. Okay. Uh, When I first got involved in some of the training, the standardized field sobriety testing, family wanted to know what went on. And when I got home, I told them and showed them. Uh, David at the time was probably 13. Okay. Uh, Senior in high school now, four years later. 
walked through the door one night after his curfew, and I could smell the alcohol. Uh-huh. So I said, David, how much have we had to drink tonight? He says, none, Dad, honest. Somebody spilled it on me. I said, you know the routine. I'm sure you've seen where law enforcement takes a stimulus and goes back and forth in front of somebody's eyes. Yes. I did that, and I said, okay, how many did you have? And he told me. <laughs> he was grounded for a couple of months. Right. When I finally let him out again, um, I wouldn't ask him every time he'd come home, but every so often. Right. And he kept saying, no, Dad, honest, no. And then finally one night he says, look, Dad, the guys want me to, but I don't dare. I tell him <laughs> I got a human breathalyzer at home. <laughs> but the body exhibits a lot of physical signs and symptoms that if you know what you're looking at, you can narrow it down. Right. And it's an alcohol and drug program, but the first thing we do is teach people to rule out the fact that it is not a drug thing per se. The first thing we have them do is rule out the fact that the impairment is not caused by an illness or an injury. Right. Then you consider it would be a substance. Right. Okay. It's interesting that you say that. I interviewed uh, a father on the podcast. He had reached out to us on Facebook and asked if we would interview him. Be and their, their story was that their son had had an injury and they thought that he had brain damage. And so a lot of the manifestations that he was exhibiting they thought was because of a brain injury. He was in fact addicted to drugs, but there was a long period of time that they just didn't think that's what it was until they finally did discover that. So that's just an example of how someone could think, oh yes, it's some kind of a brain injury, but there are obviously exact manifestations and indications that you know are their drugs. That's correct. Uh, somebody in diabetic shock is going to look like an, uh, an intoxicated person. Right. Uh, somebody having a stroke, same thing. Yeah. And it's the first thing we do is rule out that the impairment is not caused by an illness or an injury. Right. Right. And so you're giving a talk tomorrow night. What, what's that subject? Uh, Wednesday what, the 20th. Wednesday. What are, what are you going to talk it's about there? It's going to be on the dangers of marijuana, alcohol, and driving. Okay. And it's going to be at the Drug Free World on Harrison Street or Ave in Clearwater. Okay. At 7 p.m. Okay. And, and give us a little tip on what kind of things you'll talk about there. Since a lot of our listeners are in other countries, they're not going to make it. <laughs> I'm going to give uh, indicators on what to look for as far as marijuana and alcohol use. Okay. And then the thing about driving, um, everyone is familiar with the concept of miles per hour. Yes. But it's what happens in feet per second, which is absolutely critical. And it's not only your feet per second, it can be anything else. Right. And what I mean by that, at 55 miles an hour, you're traveling approximately 82 feet per second. And the rule of thumb that I learned from an accident reconstruction class that I had to take, the rule of thumb for figuring feet per second is one and a half times your speed. So half of 55 is 27. So that's where the Got 82 it. comes in. And it's just a rule of thumb. Technically, it's a little bit lower than that. Okay. Okay. But it's a, it's a good rule of thumb. Then it, you get into uh, perception distance. When the person, would the, uh, when did the individual perceive the issue? Right. 
Okay, and the rule of thumb for that is um, whatever your speed is, take the first digit of your speed and add it to it. Okay. So that would be 60 feet perception right. distance. Right. Unless they're not paying attention. Yeah. Uh, for example, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration has it figured out that when people text, for example, they um, do it for 4.6 seconds. So then they perceive it. So there's 60 to that. Yeah. But then you get into uh, reaction distance. That's when your brain tells your foot to get to the brake. Right. How long, what's the distance in that's covered in that instance? That would be another 60 feet. Right. And then the range of stopping distance at 55 is 132 feet to 164 feet. The reason okay. for the range of stopping distance, so many variables come into play. Road condition, driver condition, tire condition, all kinds of weather. Right. Okay. So if you do it in 132 feet under ideal conditions, it's going to be 334 feet to get stopped. Wow. wow. That's if you're paying attention. That's if you're paying attention. You're, you're not impaired in any way. And if you take the uh, uh, 82 feet per second and you're, you're impaired texting right. for four seconds, you're up over 430-some-odd feet. Wow. Then all the other comes into play. Yep. Yep. And these are all the things that I'm going to get into. Wow. And to give you an idea about the feet per second and how it applies to anything and everyone, you go to an event, a hockey game or a football game or a concert. Right. And when you're leaving, you're hurrying to get to your car. Right. So when you're going, you're looking for an opening because you're walking faster than some other people. You're looking for an opening so that you don't bump into somebody. Right. So you're always making adjustments. When you're driving a vehicle, you should always be looking for an opening. Right. And you have to remember you got people coming behind you that are going faster than you. Yep. So interesting. Essentially, that's a real quick synopsis. Yes, but that's interesting uh, uh, yeah. that I, people don't think about. It's amazing. Absolutely correct. Yep. How did you get involved in this? What's your background, Tom? Uh, all the police uh, background that I have was over 30 years, okay. um, three with the city of Binghamton, and then 24 with the New York State Police, and then 10 with the uh, University Police. And I went on the police department in 1963, so I started then learning about impairment. Okay. And then I got involved in training with the State Police Academy. I was a driving instructor. I uh, started that in 1976. No, they're driving in 1972. Then I got involved in uh, training for the breath test equipment okay. in 1976. Okay. And then I had the proper background to get into the drug recognition expert program. Okay. Well, so, you're doing a good thing. So I've been doing this, uh, the drug DRE stuff, drug recognition stuff, since uh, 1988. Wow. And a certified instructor by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. That's awesome. You've seen it all. I mean, I you know, there's such a big to-do right now about the opioid addiction. And I was talking to um, Bob DuPont, the, the keynote speaker this morning. Right. And he became involved um, in prisons. He was working, helping in prisons and looking at the heroin epidemic, which was, you know, back in 1968. So it's like... This is just a new face on an old problem. Correct. You know, and it, it's getting a lot of 
a lot of notoriety right now, but it really is an old problem that's just and this, resurfacing in this a different way. Marijuana issue is a very big issue, yep. and the proponents started calling it medical marijuana to advance right. their agenda. Exactly. And the FDA does not support it, and there's no really research on it. Um, and it, it's, and they're it's supposed just, to be our medical watchdogs. Correct. Yeah, not no, so much. No. Okay. Okay. And now there's legalization of recreational marijuana in some states, well, I and hope that's not. just a bad idea. Absolutely. It's well, it is in some states. I don't. I don't know off the top of my head how many, but we are resisting it in Florida, and we'll do everything we can to prevent it here in Florida. Do you live here in Florida? Um, Unfortunately, I'm one of the snowbirds. Oh, okay. So you live here part of the time. <laughs> yeah, in but I do have a house in. Uh, San, you and know, where are you from? Uh, Albany, New York area. Albany. Okay. Has okay. New York legalized marijuana? They're really pushing for yep. it. Yeah. Yep. It, it's it's unfortunate. Um, well, hopefully, people in New York, if you're listening, listen to people like Tom. Bad idea. Um, I did an interview with Luke from yep. uh, Sam, and yep. yeah. Bad well, idea to legalize marijuana. Two Most. of the biggest issues with marijuana. It interferes with a person's ability to pay attention, mm -hmm. and they tend to fixate on objects. Yep. And if you have a flashing light a half uh, half mile down the road, and you fixate on that when you're driving at 82 feet per second. You can miss the person that just stepped in front of you closer. It's, that's scary. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Tom. Well, I really you. I appreciate, appreciate it. You're doing, you're fighting the good fight. One of the things we've mentioned on the podcast a couple different times is there are certain drugs that you cannot um, safely cold turkey um, withdraw from, like antipsychotics and antidepressants and anti-anxiety medicines. A lot of those if you try and just cold turkey, you can end up with, um, you know, uh, life-threatening conditions. I mean, alcohol is another one because of the damage to the liver and the seizures and such that you, you need to get medical help. So there's a facility um, nearby called Novus Detox, and that's exactly what Novus does. Novus is equipped to step down um, a person who has been on antipsychotics or antidepressants and get them to the point where they could then do a more drug-free withdrawal. So the, um, the head person at, um, or the medical director, if you will, at Novus Detox, and one of the owners is Dr. Brent Agen. He um, it has a more holistic approach to medicine, and he had some good things to say about this area of addiction. Just a reminder that you are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. If you would like further information on the podcast, you can re reach out to us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page called the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, and we do answer messages on the page. If you'd like further information on Narcanon Suncoast, which is a holistic residential rehab program, the number there is 1-877-339-3324. That's 1-877-339-3324. This particular episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Drug Free America, and you can find them at it's their acronym, D like David, F like Frank, A like Apple, 
flikefrank.org, dfaf.org. So we're talking to Dr. Brent Egan. Dr. Egan, thank you for taking the time to talk on the podcast. You're welcome. So you spoke today on functional medicine. What does that mean? Functional medicine is kind of the in-between homeopathy or natural medicine and traditional medicine. So it's not um, completely natural, but yet we tend to look at lifestyle and natural therapies in lieu of prescription medicines. Okay, but with a medical background, how did you get into that? Right from the beginning. That's what I was saying. I never, I found out what I needed to do while I was in residency because I knew I didn't want to practice the way that I was being taught, and which was standard or traditional. Right. So, uh, you know, being an athlete in college and having a focus on my own body, I realized that there were better ways to manage medicine and, and, and provide medicine. And so I couldn't be in an insurance-driven model. So straight out of residency, I started my own practice, and I have never been inside the box since. Well, very well done you, because it is my own personal viewpoint that typical MDs, they can only do two things. They can either give you drugs or they can cut it out. Right. And Most can't cut them out. Right. And they there just are prescribe so them. many other aspects to health, which I know you know. Yes. And... I know that you're the medical director at, at Novus Detox, mm -hmm. and um, since I know what Novus is, but just explain a little bit what Novus does. Novus is an inpatient uh, detox facility, so we take people off of pretty much every illicit uh, drug um, and some of the prescription drugs that are abused as well, right. and uh, we do it in an inpatient facility. We uh, take a stance of trying to introduce some of the functional uh, components into the program and we do a great job at it. We do some of the most, um, some of the really the harder cases in the country we can manage at Novus. Well, that's awesome. Um, my co-host is Jason Good, and Jason, of course, works at Narconon, and Narconon is drug-free withdrawal, mm -hmm. but I know that typically with a lot of psychiatric medications, you can't cold turkey off of those. They are deadly. If, if you do that. And so there's a, I think there's a huge need for a facility like Novus. Correct. How did you get involved with Novus? How did you get involved with, with drugs? <laughs> well, the, the initial um, concept of Novus was to use natural therapies for drug detox. So uh, they just found me, I found them, and we put a protocol together and got started from the beginning with a, a natural focus. So it was, it's been since day one. Awesome. And what were you talking about today about relapse and functional medicine? Yeah, I mean, relapse, when someone already has substance use disorder and gets clean and relapses, uh, we take the same approach to preventing the disease in the first place. And so, you, you know, you saw the different symptoms that you can get from substance use disorder or any mental illness um, or the conditions that can cause substance use disorder. They overlap, and there's a lot of them. And so you, there's not a prescription medicine that's going to take away all those symptoms and all the different uh, um, uh, systems in the body that are being affected. Okay. So when you look at relapse prevention, you have to look at all the different components that can, one, induce stress, and two, can increase the risk of relapse. And so, you know, we mentioned sleep and diet and exercise and hormone optimization is, as we know the effects of drugs have directly affect three different systems in the body, the hip uh, hypothalamic pituitary axis, which is, do, uh, is re uh, responsible for several of the stress hormones, as well as the uh, cortisol pathways and the dopamine. So you get the reward as well. So it's, it's a very difficult scenario that needs a multifactorial approach. Awesome. I love the approach. 
So we've got, I don't know, several thousand. I think I said 70,000 before, and my husband corrected me and said, not that many listeners. But what kind of a message on, in, on the subject of drug addiction, what message would you want to send out to our listeners? Well, as I said, I mean, I, in my practical or clinical experience is that 100% of people with substance use disorder are self-medicating. Uh, for some, if you dig deep enough, you're going to find out that there's something that they're doing or some response that they're getting, which keeps them uh, repeating the action. And so if we know people are self-medicating, it's understanding that even if you don't have insurance, um, you still, you don't need necessarily need a prescription that you can go find someone that might be able to help in different, a different fashion. But ultimately sleep, diet, and exercise is free. Right. That's three of the five pillars. Right. So if someone is having symptoms of mental illness or starting to find that they're becoming um, dependent on a specific drugs, whether prescription or illicit, they can at least start working on their sleep, start improving their diet, and get out and exercise. And that alone makes people feel better. And if they feel better, they're going to be less apt to abuse drugs. Great advice. Hopefully our listeners will take it. Thank you so much, Dr. Agan. I really appreciate you taking the time. No problem. The last interview in this particular segment was with Jermaine Galloway, and he's also known as the Tall Cop, and his motto is Tall Cop Says Stop. Officer Galloway is highly regarded as one of the nation's top experts in various drug and alcohol trends. His countless hours of research keeps his presentations current, evolving with the trends. These efforts have won Officer Galloway four national awards and one international award since 2009. Officer Galloway's trainings, research, and consulting take him all over the U.S. and Canada for trainings. As one of the top resources in the country for drug trends, Officer Galloway frequently conducts keynote sessions at conferences, breakout sessions, community scans, community education nights, youth trainings, and much more. This tall cop has trained more than 75,000 people nationwide. So he brings, again, kind of the law enforcement aspect of what's going on and has a very interesting perspective. So here is tall cop officer Jermaine Galloway. So I'm interviewing here Jermaine Galloway, also known as tall cop. I'm going to call you tall cop (laughs) because I like that. And you are tall. That works. Tell me a little bit about your background because I know you go all over the country in Canada educating various aspects of addiction and drugs. So how did you get started? So I actually started in law enforcement um, in Idaho, in the Boise area of Idaho back in 1999. No, 97. So I started working in the jail, then for a small agency, and then I went to Boise PD. Ultimately, at Boise PD is kind of where I started doing it. I started working DUI task force, so I started working drug and alcohol impaired drivers. And then I went from there to the community policing unit. And then I went from there to, um, or I, I did some CSI work. And then ultimately, I started kind of creating initiatives for prevention of underage drinking and and that's what led me into kind of seeing what's going on on the drug side of things and the relationship between those those drugs and those items and then I started doing more things on the underage drinking side and drug prevention education side then I started teaching and that that's like a 30 minute story and in, in about one minute for you so yeah but that's okay I really like to hear the background and how you got going in this area so what are you seeing in terms of trends today with drugs and young people oh gosh um <laughs> yeah yeah that's gonna be a, that's going to be a long answer. Um, that's okay. But but the quick version of it is uh, what I explain to parents or young people. That's a question I get from parents a lot. So I just tell them, what can your kids get their hands on? That's kind of the easiest way to wrap your head around it. So of course, prescription pills, marijuana, 
alcohol. And then what else is popular on your streets? Um, you know, all the things that we see popular on the streets from Xanax, all these other things are popular in schools too. Right. You know, um, schools will tell me, hey, we don't have the same heroin issue that we see on the streets, but we have more heroin than what we've ever seen in our school before. Wow. So, so if you look at that philosophy, it's increased on the streets, it's increased in schools too. So it's really just about everything. I mean, some of the fear of drugs is not there anymore and drugs that we in our generation considered a hard drug where even you might have known a drug user who would say i'll do this and that but i'll never try that you right. know at the age of 14 that's not completely there anymore right it still is a little bit but that philosophy has been well i'll try it it's not a big deal it's it's harmless if i just do it once it's not a big you know and for some people that might be the case but as we know for others that's not the case yeah there's a huge percentage that try it once and that's the yeah end they of walk that. away from it yeah yep. they try they go oh, it wasn't for me it didn't do anything for me whatever and they move away or they i got really sick and i'll never try that again then there's the other ones that will tell you man i got the taste for it and i knew i couldn't wait to get it again yep. so Yep. What's your biggest concern right now with what you're seeing? Um, a little bit of the apathy okay. with drugs. Uh, the kind of what I touched on, it's not a big deal. It's harmless. Everyone's going to do it anyways. So why are we getting all upset about it? We can't stop everyone. And I tell people, I say, you know, even though it might seem like um, we're flooded, the floodgates aren't open, though. Right. I mean, it, you know, the water's seeping through. Yeah, the water's coming through. So we're dealing with some stuff that is a little overwhelming for some of us. But if you open the floodgates, it can be significantly worse. Right. So don't just look at what you're seeing right in front of you. You need to understand that this issue can be a lot worse. So if you want to talk heroin, a lot more people could die from heroin than how many died last year. It can be a lot worse. So understand, yeah, do we feel like we won, you know, the drug war last year? Of course, no one feels like that. Right. But again it still could be a lot worse too you gotta that, keep that in mind that's right and i think that apathy is one of the biggest dangers that we face mm -hmm. because the minute people get apathetic then they no longer start they're no longer fighting right, they're no exactly. longer taking action exactly you gotta fight gotta fight gotta gotta always fight and remember when you talk youth youth don't start using heroin or meth they start with something else right. sometimes it's nicotine sometimes it's alcohol sometimes it's marijuana but they start with what i tell parents is what a parent might say is the no big deal stuff. Right. And you got to take the no big deal as a big deal because then when it becomes a big deal, now you're overwhelmed. And now it's too late. And it's too late. Exactly. So, so and it's going to take 10 times the resources, money, effort, time, and you're going to have a, a kid that's going to fight addiction. As you know, as some of your people are listening in, they're fighting addiction for the rest of their life and they know it. They know it's just going to be a daily occurrence and a daily battle that they will fight and take the no big deal stuff as a big deal. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. So if there was one message, and maybe that's it, but mm -hmm. just one message you could give to the listeners that you'd like them to really take to heart, what would yeah. it be? Yeah, um, it's not just weed. Okay. So, you know, I showed that to the group today. There's, uh, you know, marijuana now comes in so many variations in potency. It's not just weed. It's not just alcohol. It's not just this. It's not just that. It is a drug, and drugs impact the teen brain and the teen mind differently than it does adults, and you have to look at that, and you have to now understand this is not what you did when you were experimenting. Everything has significantly shifted, and you have to look at it like that. Wow. And if, if people listening want more information on you and, what you know, what you do and also any of the resources that you have, where do they go? Yeah, my website, www.tallcop says stop.com. So it's easy. I was a cop and I'm tall. So tall you cops, say stop. yeah, tall cop says stop.com. And um, yeah, there's more information on me there. You can find information on me. If you do a Google search, you'll see articles and stuff and interviews I've done and all that out there too. Okay, so tall cop says stop. 
Dot com. com. Yeah, I it was like just it. easy. I was like, oh, makes sense. No one, no one will forget that. There you go. Many people don't even remember my name, but they remember Tall Cop. I walk in, they go, hey, you're a Tall Cop. I, don't, I have no <laughs> idea what your name is, but I know who you are. <laughs> well, so, I'll remember your name. Thank you so much for being welcome. on the podcast. You're welcome. Thanks. I hope that some of these interviews um, resonate with our listeners and that you enjoy hearing them. We really try and cover all different aspects of addiction. Um, obviously, we talk to a lot of former addicts and you know, find out what their successful actions were. And, you know, we definitely want to give you hope, but we also want to give you information that might help you, whether you are an addict yourself or whether you are um, someone who knows uh, an addict, has a loved one who's an addict, or whether you work in the area. There's um, a many-pronged approach to this whole problem of addiction. And we want to give you as many different viewpoints and as much information as we can so as to help you in whatever part of it you are struggling with. Next week will be our 100th episode. It will be my last um, interviews that I did at the Drug Prevention Summit. And following that, we have a very interesting interview coming up two weeks from today that is with a former NFL player who became addicted to drugs, almost kind of as part of his job. So I think you will really enjoy that one as well. Thank you for subscribing. Please, if you haven't subscribed, go to iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to the Addiction Podcast. We were recently named number one on a website that rates all kinds of podcasts and said we were number one in the area of addiction. And that's largely because you guys listen to us. So thank you so much. And we'll be back again next week. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, call 877-339-3324 or visit www.narcononsuncoast.org. Narconon is a non-12-step rehabilitation program based on the works of L. Ron Hubbard. 